This, this is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Jett. So, so very glad you could be here to join this debut episode. Uh, It's going to be an awesome first episode, as later on in the show we'll be speaking with Saima CEO Martin Torado. And he'll be joining the show as a guest. Really excited to talk to Martin. Um, And then coming up somewhat shortly is going to be a conversation with the folks over at Weatherworks. And we'll be getting a look ahead to this week's weather. Talking about any points of interest with the Weatherworks team. And later in the episode, I'll be kind of talking about Folks that do bad work and still somehow expect good things to happen. So before we get into that, want to definitely check in with Weatherworks. And but I guess before that, even um, I want to take just a minute or two to speak to what the industry podcast is about, the expectations that you should have as a listener. Um, So this show is built by the working class for the working class. It is designed to talk about a wide array of topics that affect the average working person. Um, We'll be talking about things as far as how to build a personal brand, how to work on your interviewing skills, how to work on a side hustle, what to do with that money when you do get paid, Uh, personal development. We'll be talking about building a company culture, ongoing training, and so many other topics out there. Each week, we'll try to bring you a guest um, from just really any industry out there uh, to kind of talk about how they got to where they are what advice they have for those earlier on in their journey, and just try to have a good conversation. Also, each week we'll be joined by the folks at Weatherworks for a quick look at the forecast for the week ahead, um, talk about any big systems, weather patterns, that sort of thing. So really going to be an awesome program. And again, just so excited that you could join us uh, for our first episode. So without further ado, let's jump over and let's talk to the folks at Weatherworks. Thanks, Levi. I'm meteorologist Rob Breel, Director of Meteorological Services from Weatherworks Consulting Meteorologists. Today is November 15th, but you wouldn't know it looking at the map right now. Temperatures are well below normal across a good chunk of the entire nation. In fact, 
temperatures are going to average a good 10 to 15 degrees below normal from now through this weekend, through a lot of the West, particularly the Midwest, and also portions of the East. So we're going to be talking about temperatures, uh, again, well below normal, and that does coincide with some snow. If we take a look at what's happened today, uh, again, on this Tuesday, uh, it's been snowing across a good portion of the Midwest. This includes Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Uh, some places have seen several inches of snow, but it's one of those situations where it's early in the year, temperatures are around 32 degrees, the pavements are a little bit warmer, so despite several inches of snow falling, the pavements have been a lot less. So yeah, it's one of those I've seen two, three, four, five inches, but it's still a salting to maybe just letting it sit there and, and letting Mother Nature take care of it um, by, by melting back on its own. Anyway, they're seeing that snow event today, uh, and really through the Midwest, it's going to be this cold, stagnant, snow showery pattern through the rest of the week. So just about every day as you head through Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, even parts of Illinois and the Ohio Valley, just about every day we'll be seeing flurries and snow showers. It won't add up to a whole lot, but it could result in a salting event or two. As we take a look at the East Coast, a lot of the East Coast really hasn't seen snow yet this year, but that will change for some places, some interior places today. It's a pretty potent nor'easter, little coastal low gets developed Tuesday into early Wednesday. The I-95 corridor will be all rain, no concerns there, but as you head north and west by about 20, 30, 40 miles, that's where we start to see some snow in the forecast. So places like Hagerstown, Maryland, up towards the Poconos, uh, especially, you know, the, the, the Poconos, Catskills, Berkshires. Uh, those are the places that are going to see a decent amount of snow. could be plowable up in those areas. Very heavy, wet, dense snow. Temperatures right around 32 degrees, some mixing involved. It's not going to be a fun event for those places. Uh, definitely plowable snow. Definitely a very dense, kind of sloppy uh, snow in terms of conditions. As we move forward, looking out in time, like I mentioned before, cold temperatures also stay in the east right through the weekend. We'll start to see a little bit of a moderation across most of the country headed into our Thanksgiving weekend. And that's a good news if you're not looking to do some work on Thanksgiving. I know I certainly am not. Um, so I think a lot of the country, as we head to Thanksgiving itself, temperatures will either be at or even a little bit above normal. Any kind of precipitation will largely just be plain rain. If there's any snowfall, it's going to be confined to the very, very northern parts of the country. I guess we'll take a look a little bit more at this come next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk later. You just heard it. Some great information from the WeatherWorks team. And I just got to tell you, it's been a pleasure working with WeatherWorks. Our partnership is very young, but they are really going all out for me, which makes me believe they would go above and beyond for you uh, to be your weather provider. So really excited to have them as a partner and we will go along. So there are some out there. There are some employees, subcontractors, service providers that really believe what I'm about to say. They believe that if they do substandard work, that they are somehow entitled to good things. Or maybe a better way to say it is they do 
substandard work and can't figure out why good things aren't happening. You see it all over the place. It's not just land and snow. Um, it is not just the subcontracting world. It is employee-employer relationships all over the place. It's that they choose to do bad or incomplete work and they believe they will and should receive extra opportunities or raises or bonuses or out-of-scope extras or a better contract the next time around. I'm here to tell you the way to get those raises, to get those bonuses, to get those out-of-scope opportunities, to get extra work, to get better-paying contracts. It takes being better at your craft. It means offering to do what others can't or won't. You have to work for it. Building trust allows for more opportunities. Performing at high levels allows for more opportunities. Customers of any type are unlikely, if not unwilling, to buy extra services if the original service rendered was awful. You're not going to go into a restaurant and order a meal and it's awful and let them have another crack at it. You're probably just going to leave and maybe go somewhere else if you didn't eat. You're not going to sign up the guy to cut your grass who barely shows up. When he does, he does a hack job. You're not going to turn around and tell that guy, hey, I want some major landscape enhancements and give that guy the work. It's just not how that happens. Now, don't get me wrong. There are contractors out there and employees out there that are still given some opportunities. But for one, it's not going to be many opportunities. And if they do get those opportunities, it will be out of customer desperation and not customer selection. The customer is not selecting you among four or five different options. They are doing it out of desperation, of having no other alternative. My former boss, former colleague, and current friend, Katie Raymond of Case Snow Management, now Case FMS, who will be joining as a guest on this program eventually, 
always said and said it best. A bad service provider isn't going to suddenly change into a good provider after being awarded extra work. And I'll take that a step further to say the same is true with a subpar employee. Giving a subpar employee a promotion or extra work with a raise isn't going to all of a sudden get them out of their funk. They are still going to be that same subpar employee. They are who we thought they were, right? That's the thing. So a bad subcontractor, a bad service provider, a bad partner, they are not very likely going to be able to complete that work at a high level just because you gave them a chance and some extra money. It is in their roots to do bad work or to do subpar or incomplete work. And to me, it's crazy. It's crazy to have that type of mindset, but I got to tell you, I did at one point myself many years ago, working jobs here and there and sitting there thinking I'm the smartest person in the room. And the person training me, it should really just be the other way around. I started this job day one, day two. I already know more than you do. But instead of taking the lead, being a leader, and trying to show what I know, I would instead sit back and just think negative thoughts. I wouldn't try any harder. In fact, I would try less. I would try less. So the point I'm trying to make here is that you're only going to be able to capitalize on those opportunities if you are consistently working to be better at what you do. You are consistently showing up when others won't. You consistently do the best job that you can do. That's how people are selected. That's how people are chosen for higher, more high-impact jobs and opportunities. Very seldomly do we pick from the bottom of the barrel. It's only in desperation that we do that. But if you're out there wondering, what can I do to get a raise? What can I do to get a bonus, extra opportunities? You bust your ass and you make yourself available. That's what you do. For me personally, it all changed when I changed my mindset. When I changed my mindset, everything fell into line in my life from A to Z. 
It started with me. Instead of looking around at everything else and wondering what is wrong with that, I looked inward and figured that, hey, maybe, just maybe, I should try working on myself. And I did a little bit at a time, little areas here and there. And really one of the first things that I did was I took a job with really limited opportunities. It was a seasonal job, a part-time job, but I came in every single day doing exactly what I was supposed to do to the absolute best of my abilities. I would ask my boss almost weekly if there's anything else I can be doing to make me look better to the company. And spending a season that lasted roughly six months giving that sort of performance day in and day out at the end of it, I wasn't offered anything. I was let go, but I was brought back just about a month later as a salaried member of management and really a whole new lease on life. But it started with me. It started with me recognizing that good work equals more opportunity. That good work equals better pay most of the time. That good work mixed with consistency, that's where you really get desired results, right? It's not just with good work. It's how consistently do you deliver that good work? The more consistent you are, the more consistent these opportunities are going to come up. Don't believe me? Try it. Try it for a little while. You'll be surprised at what consistency can deliver you. You'll be surprised how changing your mindset can really ultimately change your life. But it starts with you. If you're that employee that goes to work every day to do the bare minimum, to do just enough to not get fired, And you wonder why you're not being selected for promotion or selected for raises or selected for bonuses. It starts with you. And customers, you know, people want to do business with uh, like-minded individuals, but also positive individuals. If you walk around like Eeyore and you're all depressed and you're just out of it, people generally don't want to do business with people like that. You know, you got to come in and 
as you're doing the best you possibly can, you need to try to do it with a smile on your face too. That goes a long way. And those listening that know me personally are probably laughing out loud right now uh, for me telling people to smile because I rarely smile. And I always look like I'm mad and depressed. Sometimes I am. But still, it's a mindset you need to jump into. It's a mindset of being better and really understanding what is going to give you more opportunities. It's not being negative. It's not doing bad work. It's not doing inconsistent work. It's not setting the bar and just coming in underneath it. You have to go above and beyond that. And this is going to be kind of a recurring theme on the show. Really, you know, how do you get from A to B to C to D? People get stuck in their ways. They get stuck in ruts and can't figure out how to move up. And that'll be something we address on this show. Um, and it will, be, it, will, it will be a recurring theme for us. But just to start off, I want you to think about mindset. So if you're out there and you are an employee, if you are a subcontractor, if you are a service provider, um, really anybody out there that has a customer dynamic or an employer-employee dynamic, Understand that it starts with you. I have a friend who listens to, you know, positive, uh, positive reinforcements from YouTube every morning. And it gets him in a good headspace to start the day. It can be something as small as that. And I congratulate him on that effort, on doing that day in and day out. Yeah, it might only take 15 or 20 minutes, but... That is a great decision, understanding the importance of starting your day in a mentally positive mindset and seeing that how much you can accomplish with that mindset as your springboard for the day. That makes you stand out from the rest of the pack. Not too many people are doing that. Not too many people start their day by reading a few chapters of a book or listening to a motivational speech. You know, most of us start our our day by listening to music or, you know, waking up late and rushing out the door. But to take time to get in that headspace that you need to be to be successful is half of the battle. So if you find yourself like me from time to time where I wake up and I'm just not, I'm already checked out and the day's not even began. If you fall into that category, try changing it up. Try changing what you do in the beginning of the day. Make a little change and test it out and see if it works. Maybe that was all that's holding you back. You just needed to have 
a better mindset to start the day. But I guarantee you, if you make that change, good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. So coming up, we have guest Martin Torado. He is the CEO of the Snow and Ice Management Association, and he will be joining us next. Welcome back to the Industry Podcast. Today, we are fortunate enough to speak to the CEO of SIMA, Martin Torado. Martin, how's it going? Great. Thanks, Levi. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the invitation. Glad we can talk a little bit of snow, especially you're uh, hitting the winter season of 22-23, so pretty exciting time. Yes, absolutely. It's getting colder everywhere, and I think it's upon us. For sure. It's snow in a few places already. I know that. Some particularly mountain areas and Canadians. So it's coming. It's going to be cold here as well, too. I'm in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of course, so it's uh, we've had some strange warm weather this this fall it's felt good but it's getting going to get real cold in just a couple of days here absolutely you can count on it all right so for listeners who aren't sure who you are give me the short and sweet of who you are and how you got here oh yeah so I'd, i've really been in organizational management my entire career so i've worked with different professional and trade organizations you know, prior to my time at SIMA. So really kind of just believe in the concept of, you know, like the better together. And that's why I kind of, you know, kind of built my career on the organizations. I think that can do a better job together, people working together, you know, unified, again, within an industry, within a profession than you can individually. So that's kind of where my passion kind of, you know, comes from this. Um, you know, I got a degree from a University of Wisconsin System University and then just started kind of working my way up into, you know, the organizational management, you know, career. And then, so and then I had the opportunity, you know, met with Sima's executive director, CEO position opened up. I had, had some experience in that sector prior, but uh, when that opened up, I, you know, I met with a, a group of some uh, people that were on the board that were doing a search for their, you know, next executive director and was fortunate enough to get the the position. I've been here for 15 years now, even though it doesn't seem like, I always tell people it doesn't seem like it's that long, but it's been a it's been a really good experience. We've made a lot of really good relationships. We've really enhanced some of our some of our training and resources, I believe, and um, you know, really grown. And really, as, as Sima grows, it's not meant about Sima. It's about how do we growing and professionalizing the industry. And certainly, I've seen a lot of that in the last fifteen years. That's you know my general background. But yeah, overall though, from uh, you know southeastern Wisconsin, grew up in a rural area, well outside of Milwaukee. So, um, but to, now it's all. Everything's kind of grown and suburbanized, called the Greater Milwaukee area. So, being from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is the entire state Green Bay Packer fans? <laughs> That's funny. I've uh, had this college professor that did this map, and he did like <laughs> and he kind of showed where the fan base is, and it's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, there's these parts. If you get pretty far west, it does get into the you know you're you're touching more Minneapolis, and so you get there's some biking fans, and then you kind of get south of Milwaukee, kind of getting close to the state line, and it touches this you know the the mix of the Bears and the Packers. But uh, you know it's a, you know it's an overwhelming Packer country for sure. You know we try to keep the uh, you know most of the the Bears fans further you know mainly on their side of it, their side of Illinois. So. <laughs> 
Yes, we try to keep them up toward the Chicago land area and out of Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what is your favorite thing about the snow and ice industry? Oh, it certainly is the people. I think there's a lot of people here that are, you know, it's a combination of the the entrepreneurial spirit, the small business owner spirit combined with the I think just the hard worker and, and you know, it's an industry I think that's um it can be underappreciated by the public. I definitely think customers appreciate what the work that's done. There's no doubt. I think uh, companies that are you know performing, you hire a snow and ice contractor, you definitely appreciate. Hey, they're out there at you know Friday, Saturday night, Monday at two a.m. in the morning to make sure that the parking lot sidewalks are are you know kept free and clear of snow and ice, and that there's ice melt applications. So I think they appreciate. It. I think that's it's it is challenging for the public. So I think the more that we kind of get the the recognition of the of what we do out there is really valuable. But I certainly, it's, again, it's, it's kind of, you know, those people that are hard work, you know, it pays off and you can, you know, build a career on this if you kind of do the right thing. There's a lot of opportunities in that as well, too. Yes, very well said. It's a very underappreciated skill set, underappreciated industry overall. I used to travel a lot for snow removal and you'd show up someplace plowing the lot site manager comes out to you and goes where the heck have you been and it's like man i traveled eight hours to get here you know and still no appreciation yeah yeah you see some of these ones too or you hear the, the phone call at you know seven in the morning and but then not realize it's been coming down an inch an hour you're out there at four and yeah you know you have to you have to come back to those other properties as well, too. And um, that's where some of the technology can be a real advantage, you know, particularly, you know, video or even even photography can be a real advantage for companies. Any kind of software that has that tracking can kind of show that, hey, you know, what, you know middle of a snowstorm, you're trying to make sure that things are open up, but it's not going to be a perfect environment when it's all said and done. And it really takes until the, the snow event ends and then you come back and do, you know, final cleanup or finish cleaning up that really kind of show the the success. You mentioned technology, and that's something that is surely being added more and more to the industry. But where do you see the snow and ice industry kind of overall in the next five to 10 years? What are you seeing coming down the line? Where do you hope that we are as an industry? Five to ten years, I think it's kind of touching on what you're what we were just talking about. I think on um on some technology, and that's we're gonna have to do more or, or continue to do what what we do with less people. There's a there's a general population shift, and I'm just looking at this is really kind of the United States. But the United States population shift is going south and west, and who knows? Maybe there's some changes where that's kind of more you know, tearing towards South, but that means there's just a, a smaller workforce. It's funny. I was just in a meeting last week, but talked about the workforce in Wisconsin and it was just, it's, it's declining here on people of a certain, what, I, what you kind of call working age. So what does that do? I mean, we're going to have to realize how do you do more with less? And there's some things you can't replace. You, you, you can't replace some of the people and equipment and even, even shoveling in all cases. You know, I do think, I think the first entry of robotics is going to be in, kind of the trails where there aren't so many of the you know, parking lots just have so many cracks 
did its mantle covers, all the curbs, all the signs, signage, there's this, you know, lawn, there's just so many things you can hit and cause damage to. I think that's still a significant ways away. I do think some of the things like more of the open trails, open, we see this now in you know, places like when in airports where you're doing just kind of wind rowing of, of removal of snow, there's no, there's no, you know, there's an obstacle out there that's able to be done with equipment that's, you know, non-manual, that's, you know, fully um, automated on robotics. But so I think that, that one of the first steps is going to be some of that, you know, I guess it's called the you know, sidewalks or trails where there really isn't going to be these obstacles. But I think that the, the other part of just internally is more this, you know, this adoption of, of mm-hmm. software, the tracking. You can make yourself a lot more efficient doing that kind of stuff than, you know, it certainly takes people to do that, but I do think it, it maximizes efficiencies. Absolutely. What do you think? Well, what's some of the things that come to your mind? I'm hoping as an industry, we continue to grow up. I think that in many ways, the industry is archaic at points. And I think that really spreading soft skills throughout the industry is going to make the end product that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. So you mentioned the labor shortage and how maybe technology and AI can kind of solve that gap. But one of the things that I would like to see the industry really push for is getting out there to attract more talent. And so if you're trying to convince a group of younger people, maybe junior, senior in high school, first few years in college, to consider this as an industry path, what would be your pitch to them? Well, I would definitely look at some examples of people out there that have had a lot of success and they're, you know, predominant in their in their business communities. And every municipality or even you know, doesn't have to be that big, but has examples of that. People that that have opened and grown, you know, started and grown, I should say. Anything that's exterior services, landscaping to snow to to tree and and those services. And some of them have been very successful. I think if you look at those examples, like, hey, you know, there's a kind of a pride in doing things like controlling your own hours, having control of what you do. That's really that that entrepreneurial, small, you know, business owner spirit. You know, having even things like having your your name on trucks and equipment and being involved in those in that business community. That's where I would really kind of encourage people that there's definitely some some successful, a lot of successful people out there. And they aren't going to be doing it forever. You're already seeing right now, I think a a generation of baby boomers are retiring and they're trying to figure out what's the next step with their company, especially if they don't have a family member that's willing to kind of take it over. It's working outside. I think a lot of younger people want to enjoy being outside when they can. You know, they also enjoy playing video games. You know what I mean? It's like, well, software in this realm has a little comparable to that. It's, you know, it's being able to do some programming. It's being able to do some adjustment. I think those are some of the things that I would encourage, you know, kind of encourage people to do is, you know, it's it's self-direction, self-control. You know, I certainly take a look at it. If you take a look at, I'll say kind of like the high school athlete and you take people that, have, you know, they've dedicated themselves to you know, improving in a you know sport where that's you know take a look at some of the you know football wrestling some of those baseball those kind of things like some of them may be better fit in some kind of a in a career in this field than it would be just go to college and try to you know we're seeing this now that the amount of time it takes to pay off debt so that's how I would, I would encourage people to 
to do that. I mean, you ever notice yeah. it too is, I um, mean, you yeah. guys have some experience of this is like, a lot of times people are starting companies or growing them, referring new people by contacting their friends. Yeah. You get a chance yeah. to work together with some of your friends too and make money, you know, build a career and, a, and have some recognition in your business community. That could be, that could actually be a combination of uh, you know, the professional side combined with some of the, you know, the, the personal relationship side of it as well too. Yeah, absolutely. It's really an industry that rewards hard work and you're able to really control your own fate. Yeah. I think some so, people, I think if so, it was, I think it was packaged right, that would have really appeal to some, I think some people could put it really adapt to that and really take control of that. But yeah. Okay. So shifting the conversation a tad this year, we're dealing with inflation everywhere, rising costs, that aren't associated with inflation. And sometimes the margins you get anyway are thin. So what kind of advice do you have for providers that are worried about going into this season and remaining profitable? Yeah. One of the other things I like about snow and ice, I consider this, you know, we should really is essential services. You're going to have to balance the High snowfall years with the, the low snowfall years. And I do think that historically, those do kind of balance each other out. But it's easy to, to for a you know, property facility, I think, at least to cut back on considerably like decorative design, landscape, especially people kind of getting out of more work from home in the office center. But snow and ice, you got to have that. You have some significant issues if your property or facility on the liability and legal side, if you don't have a quality service provider that you're partnering with to perform snow and ice services. You get that one, whether it's in an, you know, an, an accident vehicular or you get a you know a slip and fall where it's pedestrian, you're done for if you don't have, you know, you're not working with, with a quality partner. So it's an essential service. It's going to balance out, um, you know, 15 years here, I've seen where the the economy has kind of been up and down a bit and the, you know, the recession late two thousands, like the one thing that kind of construction and housing starts really like plummeted. But the one thing that was stable was the essential service side of it. Snow and ice. And I'd say, you know, you do have to have some um, more like the, the, you know, the, the integrity, like that, you know, the, be able to, to, to bounce back on some of the highs and lows to kind of get through this. But uh, yeah, I'd say these things are, are, are secular and it's a, uh, you know, reliable business is going to be there. Absolutely. So you got people out there, not just in snow and ice, not just in landscape, that they really seem to have many objections to training and development. I think we can agree that most companies out there have your initial onboarding type training. But as far as really continuing education, that's kind of lacking. Being the CEO of the Snow and Ice Management Association, a organization infatuated with training, what do you say to those who say they don't have time for training and that's why it's not a priority? Yeah, I think we need to kind of keep this mentality of you know lifelong learning, whatever that is, that we need to be lifelong learners. We just kind of continue to get better. As we you know, get more experienced, you know, I would say, you know, if you, you know, you don't provide, you know, in the office environment calls it professional development. And a lot of this, you know, 
more hands-on field calls at training either one is like well you're not really helping to develop your people and, and expand your business like what are you anyone besides kind of your, you know your, your own self is like how are you helping that person kind of get a little bit better how are you helping them maybe with their career goals even if they see you now they say hey they're good kind of where they are it's how do you help them kind of get better and improve and then it's a mutual kind of just helping them help the company and um you know it really kind of comes down to just you know the it's you know i, I think insurance is a big part of that the more training that you have i think you're better protected against accidents and slip and falls and you know the better you look that's kind of the, some of the hard costs of it but i also think that there's also the kind of what i would call the called soft skills if you will for lack of another term it's just like how are you treating kind of your people what resources and tools are you giving them to get better you know we Someone that we've heard it before. I've been doing this for, you know, I've been snow plowing. I've been operating equipment since I was 16 years old and 30 plus years or whatever. I kind of, well, you know, maybe more of just like getting out to, you know, doing professional networking. It's like, hey, you know, what what happens when you need to troubleshoot some equipment or you're having a supply chain issue on on salt or ice melt products? You You actually may need to pick up, you know call somebody that you know or that you met somewhere that has some resource for you there's all that part of it too so i just think you know you're missing out on just kind of some kind of going back to the power of the organization or association is if you're just isolated yourself i think you're gonna you're gonna hit a hit a wall pretty quickly or hit a ceiling i think if you expand and you start working you know you develop relationships and networks with other people you know through training and development then you know sky's the limit you're gonna be able to easier to get through some of the challenges and problems that you'll inevitably hit in the business. Sure. And, you know, I'm in the camp. If I'm helping employees with their professional development and because they're going to move on anyway. And if I can point to an alumnus group from my company that absolutely kills it, that's the best recruiting tool that I can have for myself to bring in new talent and say, hey, you take a chance with us, we're gonna develop you and work for us for three or four years and you'll get to the next point you wanna be. But during that time you're here, you know, you're gonna be a motivated employee, you're gonna get that professional development. And I don't know, I mean, that's a pretty good selling point if I'm looking for a job. Yeah, and that's the differentiator with other people from other companies. Companies aren't doing that, but you are. They're gonna. People are gonna gravitate towards you. Absolutely. So, what is your official winter weather prediction for this year? <laughs> it's funny since I'm kind of at least like family and friends. I'm known as a snow and ice guy. I get this kind of question every fall from a handful of people. I do too. Do you? I'm sure you do. Right? People just do other stuff. They're like, "Hey, you're the." You know, right. Levi, you're the guy. What do you... You know where it's going to snow. Yeah, right. And I was going to tell you, it's like um, last 15 years, there was really only one year, and this is early on, camera years, but only a couple of years into it, where I would say there was snow and ice fall was largely above average everywhere in North America. There's only one time. So my sense is always kind of this is like, it's probably going to average itself out. This is a boring answer. There's going to be some areas that are going to have a good, I would, you know, good year, which is average to slightly above average. And then there's some that the weather patterns are strange. They're going to have a, you know, it's going to be low and hopefully you rely on that diversity of contract types and you have some seasonals in there. And 
and that's going to help you get through that. But, you know, you keep talking with, with people and it's like, first it was always like three to five year averages. There's people I, I know in this field that are looking at 10 year averages. Yeah. yeah. You just can't go the last year or two. It's just mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes actually what I'd say precipitation drought patterns last two to three years. But then when you have a good precipitation, it lasts a couple of years as well, too. So you got to go back at least five years, if not even longer. And so with my weather prediction is it looks like it's, yeah, I think it's going to be, there's going to be some hits and there's going to be some misses. And so to sum it up, some places are going to get snow. Other places won't. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about that for a non-exciting answer? Sure. All right. So tell us about Sima. Is there anything exciting happening right now? What's coming down the line we should be looking forward to? Yeah, so one thing we're really excited about is our advanced snow manager credential. That, that's the credential training for really what I kind of say the you know the operators, uh, foreman, lead operators, that type of, of individual the company is. We're in the process now of rebuilding the entire curriculum. And I think you have to do this every five years. That's how long the program is. It's still relatively five years. And get to always just take a look at what's new, what's changed, what's what's different. So we're uh, kind of reevaluating and, and adding and, and improving that training and, and then also having it in, uh, it's going to be in Spanish language. We all know this, there's just a, certainly a lot of the, the Hispanic Latino workforce or a lot of them are bilingual, but if you take a look at the ones that their first default language though is Spanish, just from where they, they were born. So we've had kind of a, long demand to have that in a, in Spanish speaking. So I, th- I think that's going to open up to another group of field. Uh, just people that are looking for training companies that their, mo- their first most comfortable language initially is, is Spanish, that this is going to be more available and more accessible for, for that population. So we're excited about that. And then obviously we know about the, um, you know, our snow and ice symposium. We're in Hartford, Connecticut in 2023, which is right in, we're in the middle of New England. So a great location for everybody. And then our leadership forum, which is our executive event, uh, we were just in Austin, Texas, and had a great event last August. But we're going to be moving that back to Florida and a beach location. So we're excited to announce that, and uh, that's going to be in early August. So one of the things we kind of continue to do is enhance, just continue that the combination of in-person training plus where people that can't, you know, don't have access to always travel or aren't able to do it. Is there's a virtual component as well too. So the ASM program, for example, is it's fully um, learn at your own pace, you know, virtually, and then adding on new new educational courses to our you know, our library, our member library. So we're we're definitely excited about that. One other quick thing too is our newly founded foundations, our charitable foundation. We did a profitability research study this past year, where we we surveyed companies on where they're profitable. And the summary of that report is available at, on our website now, but we're, we're creating some resources where you'll be able to take a look specifically at what your company numbers are and then compare them to what that data set is. And you'll kind of see like, hey, here's a, in my P&L, here's what I need to kind of change or how I compare to my peers or this is where my contract diversity is compared to companies that are you know my size and scope. And so... That's going to be coming out um, you know, relatively soon in, in early 2023. And um, I think that's just going to be a nice, a nice tool that, you know, from the, was really kind of funded by, you know, charitable donations to our foundation. All right, Martin, last question before I let you get out of here. This is a question that we're going to be asking 
every guest that appears on the podcast. What advice would you give to someone earlier in their professional journey than you? Not necessarily snow related, more so life professional related. Oh, great. Yeah, that's a great question to ask each of your guests. I'd be curious to see what everyone says, but I can have just, just two real quick is years ago. And this, I, I thought this, this person was very perceptive. He was, he was actually a college intern and he was just telling me, he's like, yeah, you know what? I actually also want to work in a, in a sales role. And he had another internship where he was in a sales role. He's like, I wanted to learn what it was like when people said no. I was like, wow, because, you know, your, your human reaction is like you want everyone to say yes. You want to just a, yeah. it's an innate thing that you want. It feels good. Everyone's happy. He's like, I wanted to know, have people tell me no, because then I'm going to be spending more time. How am I overcoming objections? I'm not getting so caught up into uh, that. I can't please everybody that I'm not. Maybe I'm not going to, you know, the service that I'm selling is not going to be the right fit for everybody. I thought that was really powerful for someone I think at the time was probably 21 years old. And you know this in any, we're all in sales in some capacity or another. Everything is sales. Exactly. The person operating the truck may never, they they may have a very few interactions with a customer, but those can be very powerful in a, on a sales and relationship. And then I would say the second thing is, is more of just again that get out and try to meet as many people as you can. And not just in, landscape and snow and ice trying to meet the more people that you meet in things like banking and retail and even people that you know just think of property and facility people real estate you mean you never know where your next connection or lead or business opportunity may come from maybe someone that you knew when you were 18 years old or 20 whatever and you know, they decided that they're going to become a real estate agent. Now they're in property or commercial real estate. You just, you know, and you never know. It's just people in banking. You need that if you're going to start a business. You need the loan and and line of credit relationships. Or just so I would try to get out there and just try to get and meet and know as many people that you can because you just never know what what those relationships could somewhere down the road just could lead to. Absolutely, great answer. Really appreciate having you on with me today. And again, this is CEO of Sima Martin Torado. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks, Levi. Appreciate you having me. What a great conversation with Martin. We want to thank him so much for coming on. He is a great guest, a great interview, and hoping to have him on as soon as he can come back. Uh, So we are just about to wrap up this first edition of the industry, our debut show. Before we jump off, just wanted to give a quick shout out to those who've been supporting us. uh, Those have been helping us, cheering us on. It's really appreciated. Uh, Really excited about the momentum of this show and the future of this show. So please, uh, please keep at us. Keep sharing us on. Keep being there for us. We really appreciate that. And also just wanted to give a quick shout out to other podcasters. Uh, I I never knew how much work really went into uh, making a podcast, the editing, uh, putting everything together, the introductory music, the outro music, um, 
you know, interviewing, having to plug that into your software, choosing the type kind of software, all of that really beat me up. And for the first time, I really kind of felt old when it came to technology. Uh, this is just not something I'm familiar with. And yeah, it really, uh, really beat me down for the last week trying to get all this together. So hopefully moving forward, uh, the quality will be a little better. Uh, but yeah, so a really a kind of, uh, not a thank you, but just, um, really appreciate the other podcasters out there putting stuff together. Um, really cool. The ones that do a really good job knowing what goes into it. So, all right, guys, we are going to get out of here. Um, please catch us every Tuesday. We will have a new episode with fresh guests. And if you have any inquiries about the show, uh, want to talk to us about sponsorships or guest appearances, please email me at Levi at jetfacilityconsultants.com. That is Jet, J-E-T-T. So thank you very much for listening and until next time. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.